All right, guys, welcome back to another interview on Name Right Here. Today, I'm joined by Mario Batista, UFC Bantamweight. How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. Feeling good. Back in the wind column. Feeling good. Uh, we were speaking off air, and I, was, I, I, I could sense the happiness coming through the screen. I, 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 I presume that you're really happy with that performance. Oh, yeah. Happy with the performance. Happy to get a win. You know, it's been two years since, uh, since I've won, so uh, it, it feels pretty good. Yeah, and it, and it was a tough one. 15 minutes of work. Uh, you, you got the unanimous decision. Uh, what, what did you learn from this experience and uh, how valuable was the fight? Uh, what, what I took from it is like how comfortable I felt in there. Uh, even, you know, being having two years off and or just coming off a loss and having such a long break between fights. So uh, I, I felt pretty comfortable in there and that was the big thing I took away from it. Uh, your opponent Jay Perrin made his made his debut on short notice. Uh, when that you know your opponent original opponent Kali Taha fell out, did you think, oh no, yeah, surely not? How can my luck get any worse? Yeah, I, you know, I was like, I put it in my head, like expect something to happen with everything going on in the world right now. Expect something to happen, uh, but luckily, uh, I Jason House, my manager, uh, he's really good about getting us fights and you know short notice fights. He got me into the UFC for a short notice fight, so I really trusted him. And it was coming down to the wire at the end there. So, but luckily he got it done for us, and and I'm glad he did. Uh, and if I'm correct, you got it. He he, uh, Jay, your opponent Jay Perrin had two weeks to prepare. Uh, that's what I've been hearing. But it was Sunday when they told me that yeah. would be my opponent. So uh, I'm not too sure. Maybe maybe Jason told him to kind of get ready, you know, just in case, and maybe Sunday make it official uh, before the fight. So uh, I'm not sure how that worked out, but I do know he was getting ready for a fight for March 5th. So uh, he was, I think he was getting ready to defend the title he had out there. So uh, I'm assuming that's why he was picked. So you mentioned that you got told on a Sunday. So what was that? Six days to prepare for your opponent. Uh, did you know anything about uh, Perry heading into the fight? And what did you learn before that fight about him? Uh, I didn't know too much. I feel like I've seen him on the Contender Series a, a long time ago. But as soon as I watched the video Sunday on him, uh, he was very similar. It was a very similar game plan that I was going to have originally for Khalid Taha anyway. So that was a nice part. You know, he it wasn't a big switch up where, uh, you know, a tall, lengthy southpaw jiu-jitsu guy. You know, so it wasn't it wasn't a huge difference. Yeah, in this fight, you threw multiple flying knees. And uh, we've seen it in your, in your previous flight uh, that you love to throw it. it. It seems like you want it to land. But I feel like in this fight, uh, you really wanted it to land and get that KO with that flying knee. Uh, yeah, it was like he, he's really he fights really low, kind of comes in, and you know I think I've had a little bit more time to get the the timing down, a little bit more preparation, like specifically for him. Maybe I would have gone it, uh, but on the same same thing, like uh, I've thrown it before, and so I'm sure his camp uh, were definitely looking out for it. I almost got him. I almost got that uh, one of those knees there. So. But yeah, exactly. Some of them were close. Uh, some of them were close. Uh, grazed the chin. Um, was that something that you saw uh, during that you know time to prepare for him? Yeah, like I said, it was a very similar game plan. And against shorter fighters, I I feel like I can find the timing on that a little bit easier than than taller ones. And it's something I like. I I like flying knees. It's flashy. Everyone has their little little flashy things they do. Either it's like spinning you know, spinning heel kicks or whatever it is. And mine just happens to be uh, flying knee. I really love those. Uh, and if it lands, oh my gosh, that surely that guarantees you 50K. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, especially if it's a, uh, well, if they're back to back, I don't know, maybe they're going to be like, Hey, you need to come up with a different move. We're not going to keep giving you 50 G's for the same one. Yeah. But in this fight, I think you really showed some really high level fight IQ. Uh, I, I, we talked about before we went on there. I feel like the clinch in this fight was really the difference maker. You were tearing him apart in that clinch uh, you know, the knees, the elbows, as you mentioned, it was a kind of similar game plan, but I feel like that's where you really wanted to fight because you knew you were better. Yeah, and I was prepared for anything, you know, and we got through a bunch of different, you know, scenarios in that fight, especially that first round went from stand-up. He tried the takedown. I was pushing him against the cage, and the longer the fight went on, I knew, like, he wasn't circling off the cage, and he would let me press him against there, and I pushed him against there, got my control, and started uh, uh, doing some damage there. Uh, as you mentioned, it, it didn't circle around, so it kind of paid in your favor. Uh, and we talked about it as well, your elbow kind of hurt, so <laughs> you were trying to switch the elbow. Yeah, I was trying to switch the elbow, and I was just maybe he'll give me a takedown so I can start working on top. Um, but it was only hurting in the third round, and I knew there was only a little bit more time left, so uh, I was gonna I was gonna keep throwing it until until I couldn't. Yeah, exactly. And the fight did go the distance, uh, 15 minutes of work. Uh, is that how you saw the fight going before the fight? Uh, well, yeah. I knew he'd be tough. I knew he'd be there all three rounds. You know, obviously, you want to get in and out as quick as possible, but I knew he was going to be there. He's never been TKO'd, uh, I think, submitted once. So I, I knew the chances were slim. And, uh, you know, like I said, I was ready for all three rounds and, uh, and a gamer. that I knew he was going to be tough. Yeah, you, you definitely he was tough. He was uh, taking some of your shots, and uh, especially inside, as, as I talked about, inside the clinch, you landed some, you know, some lethal elbows. Uh, and, and now the fight is over, uh, and it, it's gone, it's past us. Now, now you've probably had time to reflect on it. What's your evaluation on the fight and uh, how it went down? I was really happy with it. You know, I got to showcase a lot in that fight. Everything from stand-up uh, to the clinch work uh, to the takedowns, you know, uh, and... Uh, wrestling defense you know i know his game plan was to wrestle me up and grind me out so i got to really turn that against him and and uh showcase my skills and my cardio as well yeah i feel like this fight here uh, against jay perrin was a very important fight for you i could sense it with the you know the urgency and the desire to win that you came with uh during the fight was that because you were coming off back of a loss and you know you you felt more hunger yeah coming off a loss and having all that time off, uh, you definitely end up um, three and two in the UFC now. So you don't want to be two and three in the UFC. So that was definitely a big thing. And, uh, you know, I just exactly I wanted that win. And uh, I came in there and I, and I showed it. What, is, what was the relief like when the fight was over? You got your hand raised. And as you mentioned, your first win in over two years. Oh, yeah, it was it was amazing. And to have it with those guys. Uh, David Michaud in my corner, who's who's been, you know, like a, I, I guess like a big brother, I should say, at our gym, and having Yeltsin Mesa with me, same thing. He's been there with through my UFC wins, so winning with those guys, uh, it, it was just, it was awesome. I I'm glad uh, those two were in my corner. I, I, I presume going into this fight with with that loss and uh, you had a lot of pressure on you. Did did, did you relish under that pressure? And did do you like it when you're under pressure, or do you want to be like I don't really want that pressure. I want to be on like a six win streak. You know, I I do have a little bit of pressure, but you know I always tend to do good uh, 
after that, you know, coming off like my first loss, uh, had a little bit of pressure to win that next one and did that beat miles Johns. And so, and I got on the new contract. So I took the fight with Trevin Jones and I felt, you know, no pressure. It's just a fight end up losing that one. So maybe pressure is a good thing for me. Yeah, 100%. I think you look, uh, one of your best performances up to date inside the UFC. Uh, we're going back to your original opponent, which was Khalid Zaha. Uh, are you looking to maybe to get that one rescheduled? Would you like to run that one next, maybe? Uh, yeah, I mean, whoever. I mean, I uh, would run that camp again. It was, uh, I mean, I'd be even better for that one. But uh, who knows what's going on with him? They didn't even disclose what why he pulled out. So, um, you know, maybe if he's healthy, uh, we, we could... Uh, get matched up again here pretty soon now i've I seen in a recent interview on another interview that you've uh got some plenty of names inside your mouth but one that really popped out was ronnie lawrence i, I think that's a fantastic matchup and it, 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 i think it's a good matchup that, that, that will entertain the fans definitely a fight of the night uh contender and, and it hasn't even happened yet what is it that stemmed from that matchup why would you like to fight ronnie lawrence and uh how would that go down I just like the way he fights. You know, he fights with his heart and he grinds. Like, and I love I love those type of fights where I get pushed to as far as I can, and uh, and to see how to test my will against someone like his. I think it'd be awesome for me, and I think it'd be like a a big uh, a huge experience for me to fight in someone like that. And you've you've been in big experiences before. I mean, you you fought Corey Sanhagen, and as you, you talked about, now you fought in, a, in your last fight. You fought in a pay per view. So, do you believe you'll be ready for you know a, a type of matchup like Ronnie Lawrence? Oh, definitely, Ronnie Lawrence, and there's a, a few other guys out there. So yeah, I'm definitely ready. You know, it's, my next one will be my sixth UFC, UFC fight. So I'm ready to to get those big names uh, and start my, working my way up to the top. And lastly, on the fight business, so uh, we talked about you a little bit unscathed on this. You're back in the gym already. Uh, you got a few bruising, your elbows a little bit mashed up. Uh, when would you like to, you know, kind of get stepped back inside the octagon? Uh, as soon as I can. I would like, at the very least, to have three fights this year. Uh, but I did fight early in the year, so possibly even uh, every quarter, you know, if I can. And if I come out healthy out of each of them, um, ideally, though. And that's the biggest thing, is just to be, that's my big goal, just to be active this year. And so moving on from the fight business, uh, but it's still kind of similar, you know, similar, uh, related. Uh, what's your favorite, you know, post-fight meal and how, how would you like to celebrate? Uh, I always think I want something like a burger, but I'll get halfway <laughs> through that burger and just my stomach will start to hurt. So I know I tend to just eat a little bit healthier and then these upcoming weeks, man, I don't know. It's just, I'm going to go get the biggest, nastiest burger that I can find and uh, probably eat that for a few weeks. So that's the thing I'm looking for. Yeah, uh, what's your favorite sport uh, outside of MMA? You know what? I really don't watch too much sports. I mean, it, if you want to like break it down, I love watching jujitsu. I love watching like Muay Thai fights. Um, I guess anything that has to do with fighting, boxing, I love boxing. Uh, but other than that, you know, I'm not a big football guy, basketball guy, nothing like that. So. It's all, it's all fighting for me. Then we'll quickly touch up on boxing. Then, uh, who is the heavyweight champion at the end of twenty twenty two? In your opinion? Oh man, uh, I think Fury. I think it, it's going to be very tough to beat Fury. I believe. So uh, I, I have him there. I don't even know who would be matching up with him next. Oh, uh, oh, Dillian White. 
Dillian White, and there's someone else that just moved up into the heavyweight uh, division. You, oh, Ole, Alexander Usyk. 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 Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. I think. I mean, I think that'd be a good fight, but Fury's just a big guy compared to him. Yeah, no. And uh, but they both move well, so I think that'd be an interesting one if they can get that matched up. I mean, uh, Usyk just uh, for AJ, and you know, to put on a clinic against him. It, it was a. The technicality, uh, you know, Usyk just boxed AJ. It was it wasn't even close. And uh, Usyk versus Fury, you know, te technically te technicality, technicality versus technicality. It, it's it's a tough matchup. But I'd definitely like to see it go down. But as you mentioned, Fury's the bigger man, uh, so yeah. uh, it, it'll be hard to see Usyk, you know, overcome that uh, uh, that 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 fight. Should we say? Uh, so if you're not if if you're not like a a type of um, a sport guy, do you watch movies? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I watch some movies. Go on, yes. so what's your top three movies of all time? Oh, man. Well, there's fight week movies that I watch, you know. Uh, there we go. I'll always, I'll always start off with Troy. And I'll watch uh, The Gladiator. And uh, and there's a few other ones that, that I watch. But usually those two, those always get me pumped up for, for some reason for fight week. So I always like to watch those uh, uh, before my fights. I had a similar um when I interviewed with someone else there the similar answer um he, he likes to watch um like lion uh documentaries because he, he he wants to get into the zone of him being a predator and stuff like that oh yeah yeah that's really yeah I whatever can get me into that gladiator mode you know kind of like like hero movie that, yeah. that's that's the type of movie that I like to watch uh, are you into Marvel and like fictional characters and may, maybe even like Tekken or stuff like that uh, yeah, I've, I've watched uh, actually most of the Marvel movies. I, I haven't watched the new ones on Disney Plus, like those smaller shows. Yeah, but I definitely watched those those main ones. Uh, which fiction, which fictional character or Marvel character has the best chance of being a UFC champion? Oh, jeez, <laughs> I would say probably the Captain America. <laughs> you know, well spoken, uh, has a whole nation behind him, so that'd probably be a pretty good one. He can't use his shield though. That's true, babe. But he has a he has a has some superpowers. He has a little extra juice. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, well, uh, moving back to to the, to the UFC, uh, uh, I want to talk about Francis and Garner. You know, a lot of contract negotiations with him. Uh, we, you, as we talked about, you like boxing. So, it, would would you like to see Francis and Garner switch over to boxing, or do you think that's not a good idea? Uh, I think if he wants money, you know, and maybe like. A, one last fight, I think, yeah, the move over to boxing. But I think if you fight someone like Fury, I think it's going to be a, a pretty quick night for him. Your quick night, or uh, he's just going to get out, outclassed, I believe. So, uh, but if he definitely wants money, I would uh, look into boxing. I, I, I do agree. And uh, I feel like it's a, it's a bad move for, you know, and going if he does go over to boxing, if you look over there, you know, the top five, top 10 possibly you know can i i don't want to over like underestimate francis and garni but the, the top 10 over in boxing potentially on the day could beat francis and garni it's, it's a tough division over there yeah and you know those, those guys specifically train boxing that's all they do so to go for some of the mma to go over there and just box them it's gonna be pretty tough and just like a regular fight i'll go francis all day but if it just if it's just boxing uh it's hard to beat someone that's been doing it for years and that's all they practice. I mean, with Francis Ngannou's last fight, surely he's got to go to the ADCCs. <laughs> ADCCs are 
try out for some wrestling Olympics, something, huh? <laughs> Honestly, it was a fantastic performance. I, I didn't really expect, you know, the switch up and it was it was incredible. But what a game plan it was. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was uh, it's pretty cool to see him switch it up, uh, you know, uh, grow and not just uh, try to knock someone's head off. You know, he was there on bottom looking like he was trying to set up a triangle. So uh, it, it's pretty cool that he has that mindset to continue to grow in all aspects. Yeah, and it looked like you did it in this fight as well. And well, you did it in this fight. You mixed up really well. You clinched him, uh, tried to initiate the wrestling and the striking looked good as ever. So what a fantastic win it was, Mario Batista. Thank you for joining us on the show and best of luck in your next fight. Thank you so much. All right, guys, welcome back to another podcast on Everyone Here. Today I'm joined again by Oscar Silva. How's it going? It's going great. We had a ton of fights this past weekend, so I think we ought to go right into them. Uh, we had Johnny Walker versus Jamal Hale in the main event, and we all had a feeling that this would not go very long, and it did not. Jamal Hale gets the first round KO just a couple minutes into the round. And he did it in emphatic fashion. It was a punch that didn't even land flush right on the temple. But Johnny Walker topples over. Uh, it looked like a big old oakwood tree falling down. It was a very brutal knockout. And Jamal Hill has now entered the top 10 of the UFC's lightweight, light heavyweight division. Now I'm very excited for his future. But unfortunately, uh, the story on the other end is the unfortunate decline of Johnny Walker, a guy that many people once was going to be a contender for the title. And now it appears that he probably doesn't even belong in that top 10. So uh, the future is very bright for Jamal Hale. So where do you think he goes next after this? And what do you think of the knockout? I, I think maybe, actually, I'll talk about the, the fight. I think it's a fantastic knockout. And I knew before the fight, if, if he connects on that Walker chin, it could be a wrap early on, and uh, he did. He landed early and knocked him out. And uh, it, it was funny because when he did that, you know, that shoulder celebration, it was like a reverse of that. So it was like it was a, uh, it, it was maybe I don't know. It, it was just funny to me. But you know, Johnny Walker, it's something needs to change. Uh, in I, I don't know what it is. Something needs to change. But people blaming you know John Kavanaugh, uh, the celebration, the injury. But we talked about it before we went on air. It's not that. It's just that he just can't really take a punch. And uh, putting up, coming up against a guy like Jamil Hill, who has a fantastic finishing rate, uh, heavy hands, uh, it's, it just wasn't a good matchup for him. And uh, maybe a step up to heavyweight will happen with Overeem. Overeem put some beef on. Uh, his chin didn't get much better, but it improved. So maybe that's an option. But I don't know what to do with Johnny Walker next. Uh, this guy was touted once upon a time to beat John Jones. And now he's getting knocked out uh, three times in his last, like, four or something like that. It's crazy. But for Jamal Hill, I'd like to see Dominic Reyes. And you're probably thinking, wow, what, you're throwing Dominic Reyes in there? I'm, I, yes, I am. Uh, Dominic Reyes or Volker Nuzdemir? That's that's what I'd like next. Yeah, there's there's a ton of good options for Jamal Hill. It appears that Volker Nuzdemir stands out amongst them for Jamal. But um, I really feel like Tiago Santos would be a much Ooh. more exciting fight. I know Tiago's booked. Fight Magomed Anka live. I think Magomed wipes the floor with Tiago. I really think so. Uh, he, Magomed is a much better wrestler, and uh, he can definitely uh, knock out Tiago Santos. Um, but I, I feel like that's like more of a, it's more of a fair fight for both sides. When you talk about uh, Dominic Reyes, uh, 
I would hate to see him get knocked out again. Jamal Hill's a heavy hitter, man. I'd be very unfortunate if we saw Dominic take another loss. So I actually prefer the Tiago Santos fight just because uh, just because Tiago's not like Tiago's clearly on the decline, and um, and I, I still think Dominic has yet to hit his prime. So that's that's why I prefer that matchup. I mean, I, I, I like the matchup. It's a great matchup. But yeah, as you mentioned, they've got Magomed and Kalayev to go get, to try and get past. Um, we both got the same same picture. I think Mag- Magomed and Kalayev, yeah, wipes the floor of him uh, and, and progresses into the top five. So yeah, it's, it's a good matchup. I, I, I definitely see that one next. Uh, jo- the good thing is about Jamal Hill, where in the position he is, is he's got so many options. So th- that's good. Yeah, and I also feel that he's eclipsed uh, the quality of fighter that he was when he fought Paul Craig. I was so confident. He was going to knock out Paul Craig, but he came in arrogant and he tried to play with Paul Craig on the ground and he learned his lesson and he's become a better fighter as a result. So we ever see that rematch, I'm very confident Jamal Hill wins that, but uh, I don't think they'll cross paths because Paul Craig says he'll retire after this year, but nonetheless, a great win for Jamal Hill. I feel like this was his breakout moment in the UFC. A lot of people uh, surprisingly didn't know him before this, even though he had already uh, knocked out Jimmy Crute and Owen St. Peru, but Johnny Walker's a big name, and he just knocked out a big name in emphatic fashion. Um, and wow, that, that was a really good win. So we'll move on to another good win, another finish in the first round. Kyle Dawkins got a first-round Darsh choke over Jamie Pickett. Kyle Dawkins was a huge favorite coming into this, and I agreed with it, especially when you look at the disparity in their BJJ skills, Kyle Dawkins dominated this fight, took him to the ground, and eventually wrapped up that dart choke, as I said. And Jamie Pickett tapped right at the buzzer, like 0.5 seconds before the, the buzzer. And the reason he did it was because he thought he was going to bite his own tongue off because he had a, he was biting right on his tongue. He thought he was going to lose his tongue. So let's you know the squeezing power that Kyle Dawkins has. So uh, this was what I expected Kyle Dawkins to do. As I said, the guy had two to this Kevin Holland, uh, Ro- Roman Delice, uh, Julian Marquez, and this was the a huge downgrade from what originally was. So, yeah, Kyle Dawkins did what he was expected to do out there. Yeah, it was a great performance as you were talking about. And uh, as he talked about, almost, you know, he tapped because he thought he was going to bite his tongue off. So... Uh, lucky he did tap because I, I don't know whether I can do with a tongue uh, coming out on the, on the octagon. Uh, that, that, that's a, a different story. But yeah, Carl Dawkins, you know, getting, getting well, uh, do you want to call it getting back into the wing column? You know, that un- uncertainty in his last fight. Um, he probably wanted to, you know, get a win, like a proper legitimate win on the record. So he probably, he's, he's, he's probably happy now. So, uh, and it was a great performance. And uh, the submission uh, was where I saw him, you know, really taking over this fight and it proved that. It was, a, it was a fantastic submission, uh, the little dash choke. And uh, Kyle Dawkins is just like, he's just got to get a win streak going. And uh, I think he can reach the top 15, but it's going to be a hard, a hard push. Yeah, I feel like they should just rebook that Roman Delice fight now. Uh, Roman Delice does not have anything booked right now. And I still feel like that would be uh, a fairly competitive fight and one that probably ends uh, inside the distance. So that, that's just a fight I want to see personally. We'll move on to Parker Porter's unanimous decision victory over Alan Badeau. Uh, I was so confident Parker Porter would win this. Uh, I said he was my most confident pick on the whole card. 
And man, this was way closer than I was expecting to add money bet on Parker Porter. And I'm not going to lie, I was having a tough sweat over this one. I thought, honestly, you could have given the fight to Alan Badeau if you wanted to. Uh, Alan Badeau uh, looked better than he ever has. And Parker Porter, uh, I don't know, he didn't perform that great in this fight. Uh, he tried to wrestle Badeau, but Badeau's a big guy. Badeau was uh, not as easy to take down as I thought it would be. And uh, both guys were just very tired. It was a very sloppy fight. But in the end, uh, Badeau was overconfident. He was he was out there uh, just uh, counting the eggs before the chickens hatched. And Badeau got taken down. And Parker Porter, I thought Parker Porter was going to submit him. But uh, he just didn't have the energy to pull off the Americana he was trying. But in the end, Parker Porter wins the unanimous decision. Uh, not super impressive, but what did you make of it? Yeah, as you mentioned, not impressive. A, a big old sloppy heavyweight, heavyweight MMA fight. What else could you ask for? You know, you're going to have one on the card at one point, and, and this was the, uh, as you mentioned, their part of pocket. You know, doing what you had to do to, to get it done, getting inside, making it nice and uh, nice and dirty, and uh, uh, the, the dirty boxing was good, and the wrestling, you know, trying to implement it. But as you mentioned, Bodo was a hard man to take down. He's a, bit, he's a big lad, so uh, eventually when he got him down, and you can see that control, down, uh, control time, six minutes and 34 seconds, uh, if Paul Porker could initiate that grappling a little bit more, it would have made it more cleaner. But he still could have done. So I think that's a win streak for him now. If if I'm correct, he beat Chase Sherman. Now he's beat Alan Badu. So he's you know he's picking up some wins now. Oh yeah, Parker Porter's in. I would say the prime of this career right now. I don't think he's going to improve much after this. I believe he's 36 now. I think he's now another Parker Porter, and I think the next step uh, should the loser of Tanner Bowser versus uh, Rodrigo Nascimento. I think that's a solid step up. Um, and yeah, Parker Porter will do very well against a lot of these uh, unranked heavyweights that can just fight for run round. Uh, Parker Porter's proven he's got better cardio than most of these guys. Uh, so don't judge the book by its cover. Moving on, Jim Miller got the TKO over in Nicholas Mota in round two. Jim Miller continues to impress everybody. Uh, this guy keeps on fighting these up-and-coming young guys. Nicholas Mota was signed off of the Contender Series. Uh, he's a heavy hitter, as we saw. Rocked to Jim in the first round. I was thinking Jim probably gets knocked out eventually. But just like in his last fight, Jim bounces back, and he's the one rocking his opponent and eventually putting him out. Uh, Jim Miller uh, was seen by, as a submission artist by many. But they, they ignored the power in his hands, and I don't think they'll be ignoring it much after this. He gets the second-round TKO over Mota. And I said Mota was fairly durable, but I don't agree with that sentiment anymore. Uh, it's definitely a concern when you're getting knocked out by a 38-year-old uh, Jim Miller. So I don't know if Mota's cut out for the UFC, but I'm still impressed by uh, Jim Miller's longevity in his career. As DC pointed out, this is harder. To, what Jim Miller's do, are doing right now is harder to do than becoming a UFC champion because this is not something that uh, people can do for very long when it comes to MMA. The injuries that come with it, the the mental stress. Jim Miller's a tough guy, and he's still getting these wins. Yeah, as you talked about, he's you know an aging veteran, but he's still getting it done. And uh, Jim Miller likes to get it done on the ground, but he's 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 showing his power is still there at his age. 
knocking guys out. Um, he, he knocked someone out a few fights ago, and now he's knocked out Nicholas Murta. So he's proven that he's still got hands. He's got still got power on them hands. And uh, you know, don't sleep on his uh, his his boxing because if you sleep on his boxing and get and get sleepy and get tired, and he's gonna knock you out. And uh, uh, that that was it. It was a fantastic punch, and he got knocked out. Uh, my gosh, he now equals the record with Cowboy Cerrone. So they're fighting for it at the top. Yeah, most wins uh, is now shared by. Jim Miller and Don Cerrone, and most fights in UFC history is now only Jim Miller at 39. His next fight will be his 40th. It is crazy. I would say most UFC fighters don't even get to 15. So to see a guy uh, about to reach 40 is so impressive. Uh, it would be really cool to see Jim Miller be the only fighter to compete at UFC 100, 200, and 300. That's his goal. So that'd be really fun to see. Uh, I hope we can get uh, some more mileage out of this version of Jim Miller. I would hate to see an uh, uh, awful decline like we've seen with others. So nice to see him stay in the win column with another finish over a young guy. And moving on to a fight that did not end via finish like most people expected it to, Joaquin Buckley gets a split decision win over Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. This, uh, this was a very... Uh, nail-biting fight we felt that uh whoever landed first probably puts the other out but uh that clean shot really never landed both guys did tag each other a couple times i felt like that first round could have gone to either guy uh, but i did slightly lean on uh, buckley he had a little more volume and in the second round it was the most clear round of the fight buckley just put a beating on abdelbrazaka hassan and i don't know uh it was very clear that Ahassan was trying to get Buckley gassed to punch himself out, but uh, Ahassan himself was gassed as well. So it, it just uh, resulted in the third round uh, being a very, uh, very, uh, you know, sloppy fight. And eventually Abdul with the very little energy that he had, he got a takedown and Buckley himself was just too tired to get up. So uh, Abdul, even though he lost, he he really surprised me by winning that third round. Uh, he's never won a third round in his career. He's never won a fight after the first round. So for him to at least win a third round was impressive. But either way, Buckley, he got the win here. And this is uh, this shows growth to me for Buckley to now win by decision after just being on a knockout streak. And then Joey Buckley getting it done with, um, was it Dale Brown? Was it, I yes, want to call him in, in his corners. <laughs> yes, Commander Dale Brown. From the Detroit Urban Survival uh, Training uh, Program, the guy's gone super viral on Instagram, on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this was obviously a marketing ploy for Buckley, and it worked. Uh, I would say outside of the main event, he actually got the most attention of anyone uh, because he had the viral star in his corner. Uh, and I'll say it, he's got more wins this year as a coach than John Kavanaugh, just just swallow that, uh, SPG fans. Uh, Oscar Silva dropping in them facts. Uh, coming for all the heat or any Oscar. Uh, but you know it, it's facts. So, uh, what, what what can you say? As you talked about Joaquin Buckley, it was it was quite a sloppy fight in the third round. Uh, round round one and two. Uh, it wasn't a fight we expected. We were expecting a knockout in round one. Both meant to be fresh and just a you know, big bomb over the top, and that, that was it. But you know it went all three judges, all, all three rounds. Um. Uh, as you talked about, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan winning the first ever 
round three of his career. So that's that's a plus for him. That's probably a little bit of confidence. And in the next fight, we'll probably see him throw a little bit more, be more active because you know, he know he's won a round three now. So he'll have a little bit more confidence uh, in in his back pocket. So uh, Joaquin Buckley though is a uh, uh, on a two-fight win streak now, so he's uh, he's he's picking up the momentum where he left off after that impa. Yeah, um, and we'll move on to the main event of the prelims. David Onama scored a first-round KO over Benitez. This was wow. the probably the second best KO of the night. It was sp- spectacular. I would say this might be might be one of the best round uh, uh, one-round fights of the year. Uh, David Onama was in big trouble. He got his eye busted up. Uh, he could not see at all. And I thought Benitez was on his way to scoring uh, a finish uh, via TKO in that first round. But Onama is tough as nails. We've already known how tough this guy is uh, after the Mason Jones fight. This guy is ultra durable, and he hits like a Mack truck. Uh, as soon as Benitez got a little tired, David Onama smelled blood backed him up, and did he throw a technique at all? No, he just threw those haymakers, those wild hooks, and uh, Benitez wanted out as soon as he, start, he started take, tasting that power, and eventually he got put to sleep on his feet, and then he went down. This was emphatic, and this scored David Onama his second uh, UFC bonus. This is life-changing for the guy. Uh, he's the first Ugandan fighter to score a victory in the UFC, and I'm I'm very excited for his future, man. This guy, win or lose, will put on an exciting fight, and he's a guy that you can always rely to turn things around with that knockout power. Yeah, this dude is a problem. Uh, when he gets it going, you know, when he's in full flow state, this guy's a problem, and uh, he put it on uh, Gabriel Benitez, but Gabriel Benitez brought it to him as well, so this, this was a perfect matchup. It's phenomenal. Um, that Mason Jones matchup for Onana was perfect as well, and this one was even better. It's it quite similar in, in styles, and it was good. And uh, David Onama just got it done, man. He's uh, he took a lot of big shots, and he came back and delivered a bit, even bigger ones. And uh, Gabriel Benitez just couldn't take the power anymore. Uh, he's always an exciting fight, as you mentioned. That's two bonuses now. That's two in two fights. You can always guarantee he's going to be in a burner. So it's a phenomenal fight. Yeah, and we'll move on to the first round submission. Of Jessica Rose Clark by Stephanie wow. Egger. Stephanie Egger uh, really surprised me here. Uh, I knew it was a possibility she would get a first round upper. When you got uh, somebody as good as Egger in the submission department in the mix, there's always a possibility she gets a submission while they're dry. And she did right here. Jessica Rose Clark uh, has dealt with a lot of mental health issues and uh, they reared its ugly head in this fight. She went on autopilot. As she said, the game plan was not to clinch, and she clinched. And as soon as she did, I was thinking, that's kind of a mistake. You're you're, you're leaving an opening for Egger to use her judo black belt, and she did. She got that judo throw uh, reminiscent of Ronda Rousey back in the day, and she got that arm bar with perfect technique. Uh, she made it look easy out there. And, yeah, I think this is uh, – this now makes it two finishes for Edgar at Benoit, which is not easy to do. I now think uh, the next fight here for her should be Alexis Davis, uh, a tough vet. Yeah, as you were talking about there, she she got in there, free, got the judo throw, got it to the ground, and that was, summer she was there, and uh, she took it in full effect. She, she she really made it look easy in this fight. And uh, if you're Jessica Rose Clark, you're probably preparing for this type of fight, getting in the clinch. 
uh, expecting a throw or something like that. And as you talked about, her, her game plan just went out the window and she went in for the clinch. And that's not a smart idea against a, a caliber of judo uh, practitioner like Stephanie Edgar. And uh, oh man, uh, it was just levels above on the ground. It was, uh, it was, it was ridiculous. And uh, a fantastic win for Edgar. Edgar and uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think Alexa Davis is that that would be a good one next for her. Yeah, one hundred percent. And we'll move on to what may be Chaz Kellis's final fight. He got the second round knockout over Mark Striegel. Wow, just wow. Chaz Kelly has always been uh, viewed as more of a submission grappler uh, and a wrestler. Kind of looks like Ben Askren and fights like him too, but with much better stand-up as we saw in this fight. Uh, he got that first round uh, takedown. He was looking uh, like he was in control of the fight in that first round. Still close round, though, but come that second round, he did not even use much of that wrestling. What he used was the knee capitalizing off of an unfortunate headbutt, um, and he put out Mark Striegel. This is now two fights uh, for Mark Striegel where he's gotten knocked out. Very unfortunate because this guy has a great record. He's a very talented fighter, but he's just fought some tough matchups uh, in this featherweight division, and he's now he's – now, uh, Lost two fights via finish, but I was so impressed by Chaskel here. I thought if he would win, it would be by submission and on the feet. I thought Striegel had the edge, but that was not the case. We see Chaskel uh, get a emphatic knee, and I actually thought he deserved a bonus, but uh, he was snubbed, and uh, now it appears he's going to be working in the roofing business. Yeah, it's going to be hard for Chaskelly, I think, in my opinion, to let it go, to hang it up, because it was a good performance. He got the job done and uh, he, he got the finish. Uh, just maybe or maybe he might stay around, but uh, you know, it doesn't seem like he wants to stay around. So uh, uh, this probably is the last time we see Chaskelly. And uh, what a way to go out, get the finish and, uh, against a tough, hungry guy uh, like, like Striegel. And it was a, a fantastic way to bow out if it is Chaskelly's last, uh, last, last fight in his career. I wouldn't be ashamed of that one. Yeah. Chas Kelly says he will stay in the USADA testing pool just in case the UFC has an interesting fight to offer him. I don't know what exactly he means by interesting. I would assume it means like a legend or a very established name, not some young up-and-comer like Mark Striegel. And honestly, I don't, I don't think Chas Kelly brings in the numbers for the UFC to go out their way to offer him an interesting fight like that. So I personally feel this is the last time we see Chas Kelly in the octagon and uh it's it's really a shame because he's a world-class fighter man uh but unfortunately let's be honest he probably would be in that gatekeeper spot this featherweight division is a shark tank and uh he's not a top 15 guy but he's always going to be one of those guys that does well right outside of the that uh top 15. so uh happy trails to chas kelly um hopefully he does well in the roofing business and we'll move on to gloria de paula's first ufc win a unanimous decision win over Deanna Belbitsa. This was a, a phenomenal fight. Both women uh, fought their hearts out in this one. This was a very close fight. I called it on this show. I thought this would go the, the full 15 minutes, and it would be come down to uh, who landed more volume or who landed the more significant strikes. And Belbitsa actually outstruck her in this fight, um, but a lot of it was to the body, so... The judges didn't respect it as much, and Gloria DePaul was the one being more of a headhunter. And uh, in the end, Gloria DePaula gets her arm raised, and I thought it was the right move. This was a very tough fight to score, but at the end of the day, I felt that Gloria DePaula was the one uh, dictating 
where the fight went. She had, she looked a lot cleaner out there too, and she had a little bit of control time over five minutes. In fact, in the clinch, I felt like that was the difference maker here. Do you agree with the decision? Uh, yeah, as you talked about, it's definitely a difference maker. It was a tough fight, uh, uh, getting her first win in the UFC career, and it was an important one because if she lost this one. It maybe could have been the axe from the UFC, so it was definitely an important one. It was a good fight. I enjoyed it. And I feel like this early card, it, it was an entertaining one. So if you didn't tune in to watch that, I don't know what you were doing. Yeah. A lot of people saying that this wasn't the best card. Of course, it wasn't the best card of the year, but it was a very entertaining card. I don't think they watched these prelims because these prelims were fantastic. This was one of many great fights. And we'll move on to... Another fantastic fight. The UFC did not hand out a fight of the night bonus, but if they were going to, it would have went to these two guys. Chad and Helliger scores a third round KO over Jesse Strader. I was confident Chad and Helliger would win this fight, but I actually thought he would have the wrestling edge in this fight. But Jesse Strader goes out there and fights like he usually doesn't fight. He goes out there, gets takedowns constantly, but uh, Chad and Helliger gets right back to his feet. And uh, I was very impressed with Jesse Strader in this fight. He was the much bigger man on the night. Just a ton of volume from him. But uh, Chad and Helliker in the end uh, gets a knockdown in that second round, stealing the round. And in the third round, Jesse Strader's running away with the round. It was a very clear Jesse Strader fight. I had money bet on and Helliker, so sweating bad on this one as well. But uh, Chad and Helliker... Even though he's a very small guy, he packs a punch and he puts out Jesse Strader, who had tired at that point, and gets himself a, a knockout, his first UFC win. Uh, Chad and Helger, um, I really like his fighting style. He's 35 now, so I think the smart move for him is to go back to flyweight. This guy looked unbelievably tiny in there. I don't think he can compete with the best bandweights at that size. So I think he should go to flyweight where I actually think he can be in the top 10 of that division. Do you agree? I, I do agree. I think he's a, he's a fantastic fighter. And uh, early on, I thought Jesse Schrader, you know, with, the, with them takedowns, I thought he was he was the better wrestler. I thought he was going to go his way. But, you know, Anne Helliger came back and knocked out, you know, knocked him out and got that, you know, got the punch. So uh, a fantastic performance from both men. Uh, Jesse Schrader, you know, I think he's on, before this, he lost twice inside the UFC or maybe once. So Once, once against once, uh, Jackson. There we go. So, oh, and two. Oh, yeah, against Montel Jackson. Yeah, he got knocked out in that one, I do believe. So, uh, and and again, so, you know, not a great start for Jesse Strader, but I still believe that he has time to turn around. He, he impressed me in this fight, but, you know, oh, and two inside the USC is not a great look. So, the next one is definitely an important one. But, Anne Helliger, man, what a fantastic performance and uh, getting the job done. 125 pounds. I don't mind it. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, a fantastic fight from both men. And we'll go on to another sick fight. Uh, Jonathan Pierce got the unanimous decision win over Christian Rodriguez, but it was not without a little bit of a struggle on his end. Wow. Goodness gracious. I severely underestimated Christian Rodriguez's abilities. Uh, what I had seen uh, in previous fights was uh, nothing compared to what I saw during this fight. Christian Rodriguez, out of everyone in the card, he was the most memorable loser. Christian Rodriguez put Jonathan Pierce in a very tight guillotine. We heard Pierce gargling. I thought the fight was over. But Pierce is tough as nails, and he toughs, He gets out of the submission 
And wow, um, it was clear to me that Christian Rodriguez, if he was a real featherweight, he would have won this fight, but he's a bandweight going up. So he had the size disadvantage here. And uh, Pierce just kept on muscling him to the ground. Uh, but we had a ton of scrambles in this fight. It was so entertaining to watch. And uh, on the feet, it was clear to me that Pierce had fatigued big time. And Christian Rodriguez was laying the more damaging strikes over and over again. But uh, ultimately, Pierce kept on getting the takedowns, getting the control time. That was a difference maker here. But, man, Pierce took a real beating in this fight. Eight big elbows that if they were landed by Fredway, probably put him down. Uh, Pierce has a, has a lot of holes in his game, and we saw him right here. But he was just the bigger guy, and that's why he got the win, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Christian Rodriguez, yes, he lost, but I feel like he's got a great future in front of him. It, it, was, a great, it was a great performance from him. Uh, even though he didn't get his hand raised, he showed that he was a game master. Sure noticed, too, so there's, there's a lot to come from in, in, in the future. And as he's fighting at featherweight against a natural featherweight like Jonathan Pierce, uh, you know, it, it wasn't in his favor. He was just getting out muscled, as you were talking about. And uh, bantamweight, I feel like he could really do some damage. I'm really excited to see where he goes in the future. And uh, the bantamweight division just gets even more stats with Christian Rodriguez adding that to the division. Uh, there's some things that both guys need to work on. Uh, as you talked about, Jonathan Pierce just got touched a little bit too much. He's, you know, he ran out of gas at the end. Uh, Chris, Christian Rodriguez, and you know, maybe putting on the muscle a little bit, you know, but if he does move down to bantamweight, maybe he won't get out, you know, outstrength as much as he did uh, at featherweight. So, uh, it'd be an interesting move. Uh, definitely 135 is the best move for Christian Rodriguez. 100%. And we'll move on to Mario Batista's unanimous decision victory over Jay Perrin. Lenny talked to Jonathan Pierce. And if you're listening to this podcast on Mario Batista. audio platforms, yeah, Mario Batista. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast on audio platforms, you just heard that Mario Batista interview. This uh, the interview will be attached to the beginning of the episode. It was a really good interview. He said he wants uh, Ronnie Lawrence next after this. He wouldn't mind uh, rebooking the Khalid Taha fight. But let's talk about his performance. Wow, John uh, Mario Batista had not won in two years. He fights Jay Perrin. Jay Perrin came in on short notice. They have the same management. Um, so uh, Mario Batista got a heads up that uh, that Jay Perrin was already training beforehand. And, wow, he, he knew exactly how to fight this fight. Jay Perrin is a wrestler, and he stuffed three of those takedowns, and he made him pay for it. He got him right in the clinch, and he beat the crap out of him. Goodness gracious, those elbows were landing over and over again. They were rocking Jay Perrin. I thought at one point he was about to knock him out, um, and he kept on throwing those flying knees throughout the fight, always looking for the knockout, being very aggressive. Lots of uh, lots of volume throughout the fight. Very impressive performance by Marvin Batista, and it was a very dominant one too. I scored this a thirty twenty six, like one judge did, uh, showing you it wasn't much of a competitive fight. But uh, props to Jay Perrin; he's a tough guy. But Marvin Batista was just miles ahead in every aspect of the game. Yeah, hundred percent. I got to agree. It was uh, uh, as you talked about there. It was the clinch that really won him the fight. You know, the elbows, the knees, and the the flying knees. He threw a couple of them in this fight, and the, the, some of them were close. Uh, who knows? A, a different day or a different fight, it, it could have landed. And uh, he mixed up really well, striking. Uh, then he clinched, and he takes him down. So it, it impressive performance from Albertiza. Me and you actually picked him to beat Trevin Jones. Uh, it didn't go his way, but it just shows how you know how highly we rated him, and uh, he proved it in this fight. It was a fantastic performance. Uh, against the gamer, as you talked about, in Jay Perrin. So, 
a fantastic win for him and back in the win column after two whole years. Yeah, and uh, we talked before the show. I think that Ronnie Lawrence fight is very winnable for him. Uh, Ronnie Lawrence loves to wrestle, and Badiza loves to throw those flying knees. We could definitely see one of them. And for Silva's slips, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't even remember what it was, but I believe... <laughs> it was a four-fight parlay, but I can't remember. It was a four... I believe it was Chad and Helliger, the inside the distance on Jamal Hale, uh, Johnny Walker, the inside the distance on uh, Miller and Mota and somebody else. I think it was Jonathan Pierce, somebody else. But I'll I'll tell you straight up, on the bets outside of that, I did very well on... I, I actually didn't lose any bets this past weekend. I was very happy. Wow. a lot of money. Thanks to my... I'm going to get my notepad. I'm going to get my notepad. I'm going to write down write down your bets uh, on, this, on this podcast so we know me next week. All right. Yeah. Thanks to my uh, guy, Parker Porter. Shout out to Parker Porter. And Mario Batista, too. I bet on him as well. Um, we'll move on now to uh, the other fights that happened this past weekend. Which event do you want to talk about uh, first? Uh, Bellator or a BKFC? Because there's so much going on. We'll quickly go into better talk. Talk about the main event and the, obviously that co-main right. event. Uh, yeah, wow, brutal, brutal stuff on uh, both fights. Actually, Nimi Gracie lost the unanimous decision to Logan Storley in the Bellator main event. Wow, both guys had not shown a ton of their stand-up. Uh, we had seen more of Nimi Gracie stand-up before this, but Logan Storley. Was such a dominant wrestler. We didn't see much of that stand-up before this. And uh, this is the best he's ever looked striking. Uh, first two rounds clearly go to Logan Storley. He was pressuring Nimi Gracie, clearly outlanding him, landing the bigger shots. And come the third round, wow. Uh, Nimi Gracie just uh, decided he was not going to walk backwards. Started being a little more aggressive. And... Uh, Better round for Nemi, but ultimately I did not give it to him. In the fourth round, Logan Storley gets clipped big time by Nemi Gracie. I thought Logan Storley was about to go out, but then he counters uh, he counters Gracie's jab with the overhand, and goodness gracious, now Nemi Gracie's in trouble. That fourth round was spectacular. Both guys, I thought at one point, were about to go to sleep, but they toughed it out, and they reached the fourth round. And uh, the fifth round, and the fifth round is uh, more of a Logan Storley round. Nimi Gracie uh, had just taken so much damage at that point, uh, and Logan Storley beats him up in that fifth round, secures the victory. Very entertaining fight. Round four is probably a contender for round of the year. I uh, love this fight, and uh, I think Logan Storley is maybe one, one or two fights away from getting a title shot. Of course, uh, Korshkava. Is in the mix, but obviously, I think Jason Jackson gets that title shot. Um, yeah, the yeah, Jason Jackson, um, Storley. and Nima Grace is nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, this five round fight for him looked good out there, uh, better than ever when it came to striking. Uh, and we saw none of the ground game like we thought we would, uh, but in the end, it made for an entertaining fight. Yeah, Jason Jackson would take a dog Sleamery, uh, Bellator London, and then Andre Koroshov, who, who who fought who fought on this event, will take on uh, Paul Daly, uh, Bellator London as well. Yep, yep. I I was so excited to see that uh, Koroshov had a fight booked so quickly, and especially a guy in Paul Daly who always brings the action, man. And I think that uh, that 
yeah, that's Paul Davis' last fight. I, I don't know how it goes exactly. Probably Korshkov. I think he probably gets a TKO there. But let's talk about Korshkov's first round spinning back kick TKO over Chance for Contra, the UFC veteran. I was ulti- uh, I was so confident that Korshkov would win here. Uh, Chance for Contra uh, did not perform well in the UFC. And when he came to Bellator, he fought one of their best guys. This is one of the best welterweights in the world. As we talked about in the last show, only lost to Douglas Lima, Ben Askren, and uh, uh, Amosov. Goodness gracious. Um, and he showed it out there that he's one of the best in the world. He puts away Chance in less than 40 seconds. And he broke several of Chance's ribs and punctured his lung. One of the most brutal uh, injuries I've seen uh, from fight. Wow. Yeah, five ribs he broke. Five ribs and punctured his lung. <laughs> That's incredible. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. And uh, a fantastic win. There's only 30 seconds to talk about, but what a, what a placement of, of that kick. And uh, thankfully, uh, Ren Counter is all okay. Uh, but man, fantastic win. Fantastic placement on the kick. And uh, now he's got a tough matchup next against Paul Daly. And uh, what a pleasure it will be for him to fight Paul Daly in his last fight. Uh, but as you talked about, Koroshov probably gets that one done. So it was, uh, it was, it was a good one. Uh, we have Adam Piccolotti as well get, uh, winning the, the decision over um, Georgie um, uh, Karashukian. Uh, there we go. But Adam Piccolotti recently, uh, you've probably seen it in, in the news a little bit, recently getting um, suspended uh, by the, um, I forgot what, the commission, by the commission for four to six months because he released a video on his Instagram of him being sick when he was weight cutting. So. Yeah, that, that that was really unfortunate. You hate to see these athletes go through a tough weight cut, especially when they're supposed to be in prime condition for their uh, fight the next day. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if Piccolotti should be moving up, but uh, definitely should reconsider uh, some lifestyle changes. That could make the weight cut easier. Uh, we'll now touch up very quickly on the wins of Mike Perry and Chad Mendes at the BKFC Knuckle Mania 2. Uh, Mike Perry... One via split decision over Julian Lane, the let me bang bro guy from the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, it was a much closer fight than I expected, but I think it probably due to the fact that Julian Lane already had a lot of bare knuckle experience, so he probably was more was uh, more um, knowledgeable when it came to the strategy in that sport. But nonetheless, Perry gets the first round knockdown, and uh, he won the rest of the fight. Uh, but Julian Lane did crack him there. Uh, I feel like with more experience that Mike Perry can become their champion. Uh, beating a guy like Tiago Alves is not the tough the tough task that it once was back at uh, UFC 100 for uh, 100 for uh, Joe St. Pierre. Uh, yeah, he called him out uh, after the fight. And uh, as you talked about, is it, you know, one of their big, biggest, you know, um, fighters that they probably have on the roster, uh, Mike Perry. And he's really well suited for BKFC. I don't know what it is. Uh, when you think about Platinum Mike Perry and BKFC, you know, and, uh, Ben Ockle, it, it just kind of fits. It, it just kind of yeah. fits what they're looking for, and uh, it was a fantastic fight. Uh, I liked it. Mike Perry looked good, and uh, definitely the the title fight I'd like to see next. Uh, he's not exclusive uh, with Ben Ockle, which was interesting. So uh, he said he don't know what's going to happen next. Um, he said he might return to Triller because he got paid a lot more in Triller than he did in BKC, yeah. but he got paid more in BKC than he did in UFC. So it just shows you, wow, it was. Uh, it, he definitely got a good payday, which is good. And some of those people good pay yeah. with Chad Mendes. So. Yeah, uh, Tiago Alves uh, is definitely the fight to make. 
Uh, there's no bigger name out there than Mike Perry. As they called him on the broadcast, he's the new face of the BKFC. And I agree. Is there any uh, bigger fighter, at least male fighter, in the organization than Mike Perry that you can think of? Uh, absolutely not. Um, well, maybe Chad Mendes, but I still think Platinum Perry has probably got that more attraction yeah. to him because the fight style. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Mike Perry, uh, never afraid to say something controversial or something dumb in the UFC. So he was always getting those headlines. And uh, the eyes followed from the UFC to uh, BKFC. The guy definitely has some star power. And I think if the BKFC is smart, they'll, they'll put him in that title fight. Because that, that's just going to draw more eyes to uh, Mike Perry. And now we'll talk about Chad Mendes' his fourth round TKO of Fames. Goodness gracious. Fames has a losing record in BKFC. He's actually an R&B singer. So as soon as I saw this fight put together, it was a complete mismatch. I'm not for one second did I give Fames a shot in this fight. Chad Mendes has always hit unbelievably hard. The, the guy uh, had Jose Aldo in trouble back in their fights. Um, he had Volkanovski in trouble. So when I know when you take the gloves off this guy, he's going to be a menace uh, in that boxing ring. And that's what he did out there. He absolutely destroyed Fames. I feel like it was a late stoppage. They could have stopped it earlier. Sure, Fames was getting up, but the guy was not in good shape at all. Uh, Chad Mendes uh, getting his first win in a very long time. And I love to see it. I think he can have some serious longevity in the BKFC because I don't think many guys beat him. Yeah, and he's uh, funny enough as well. He he's actually still signed to the UFC, but they yeah. the UFC allowed him to go find BKFC. So uh, it's interesting to see what what happens there. Does he return back to the UFC? He said he got maybe three fights left. So yeah, who knows? Uh, but let's be honest. If the BKFC is paying him more than they're paying Francis and Ghana. Do you think the UFC is going to back up the Brinks truck for Chad Mendes, the guy who likely won't even find himself in the top five of the division? Probably not. So I say expect Chad Mendes to stick around in the BKFC. And now we'll talk about this weekend's UFC Vegas 49. Islam Mahashev, the number three lightweight in the world, was set to fight. Benil Dariush in the main event. Benil Dariush injures his ankle. And Bobby Green had fought just that week before. He had not taken a lot of damage in the fight. Won a unanimous decision win uh, over uh, Nazareth Hackprest. And Bobby Green has always been that guy you can rely on to take a fight at short notice. And he did it here again. Uh, it's now set at a 160-pound catchweight. Islam Mahashev. Is fighting an unranked opponent, unfortunately, because nobody else said yes that had a ranking next to their name. And that's been the story of Islam's career. Nobody wants to fight this guy. This guy has the style that everybody fears because they know they can't get up or they'll get submitted themselves. Islam, in my opinion, is the best lightweight on the planet right now. I know he doesn't have those high quality wins on his resume but he was booked to fight some of them and they pulled out or the guys just say no when the contract gets put in front of their face so i feel even with the win here he gets a title shot and i think that's what he does out here against bobby green bobby green is a solid wrestler don't get me wrong he actually out wrestled clay guida 
and defended Clay's takedowns. But let's be honest, he's been fighting a ton of strikers. Islam has solid striking, but he's going to get the takedown and get the fourth round uh, submission. He can get it via an arm triangle. He can get it via arm bar, via rain and choke, however he wants. He submitted Tiago Moises in the fourth round. Tiago is a, a very decorated black belt. Uh, he's, he submitted ton of, tons of black belts in his last fight. He fought Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker's not not a bad grappler. He goes out there, gets a first round Kamor. Islam Mahajev by domination in a fourth round submission. Do you agree? I mean, I think it's going to be a, a, a good fight. Um, the, the one thing with Bobby Green, you know, he's going to bring the fight every every time he turns up. He's he's always going to bring that fight style. Uh, he's he's not a quitter. Um, he, he likes to he likes to fight, and he always he, you know where we've seen him struggle is against you know against these wrestlers, um, against fighters that who are better than him. And uh, I think Islam Akshay is just better than him. And unfortunately, uh, but you know, Bobby Green is a game as I talked about. He's a he always likes to fight, and in his last fight against um. Uh, Nazar Akrapas, he, he looked phenomenal on the feet. And if Islam Makhachev wants to keep it on the feet, which is is crazy if he if he tries to do that, I think Islam Makhachev tries to shoot at the, at the at the quickest time he can because Bobby Green is slick. His head move is too good. His footwork is sick uh, as well. Uh, but Islam Makhachev is just a different animal on the ground, and uh, he's going to get him down. So he's going to get him down. He's he's going to attempt some missions. He's going to beat him up. He's going to ground and pound him, and uh, it's going to be either a decision or a late finish uh, submission. So. And that's the way I see it going. Yeah, Bobby Green's a fantastic kickboxer. All you have to do is see that fight with Rafael Fazeev. Everybody and their mother thought Fazeev was going to um, put the boots <laughs> to Bobby Green in that fight. And uh, he did not look like a big favorite that night. First round was very close. Second round, Fazeev clearly wins. Third round, Bobby Green goes beast mode and beats the crap out of uh, Fazeev. He rocks him. He has a much higher volume. Uh, Bobby Green uh, is a very elite striker, but let's be honest, it's not going to matter in this fight because he cannot keep it standing here. And his get-up game is not bad at all, but who's a better wrestler that Green has faced than Mahashev? Literally nobody. And Green, he's also known for losing these uh, split decisions to fighters that, let, let's be honest, have a much worse skill set than Mahashev. Mahashev will get these takedowns uh, quite easily, honestly. I think this is going to be similar to the Drew Dober fight. Uh, Dober's just, uh, Dober Brown, he was looking for those uh, big shots, trying to knock him out, which, in my opinion, if you ask me, Dober has a better shot of knocking out uh, Islam than Bobby Green does. Bobby Green, historically known for winning fights via decision, not a heavy hitter like a Dober or a Martins. So I think Mahashev... Uh, he might get hit with a couple shots, but they're not going to rock him. And eventually, he's going to show why he deserves to be in a title fight and get a submission over Bobby Green, something that people have been unable to do in a very long time. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that, that's the way I see it going. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Bobby Green stepped up. Uh, but, you know, if it goes right, he's launched himself up there. But but you can't you can't hate Bobby Green for stepping up and short notice like this. Uh, not, not, not many guys want to take a fight against Islam Akshev. And he's taken it on short notice. Uh, Dan Hooker done it, and then Bobby Green has done it. And yeah, I think if Islam Akshev wins this one, I feel like you've just got to give him that title shot because no one's going to want to fight him. Yeah, Bobby Green, he's not even ranked. I know it's not a good look, but Bobby Green's a very talented fighter. And uh, who else has a better case to make for a title shot? 
everybody else who's in the top 10, they've lost fights or they've lost like the contender fights uh, where they were going to get near the title or they fought for it. Uh, nobody has the win streak like Mahashev besides Benil Dariush, who he was set to face. Benil's probably going to be injured for, we don't know the, what the time frame is. So I say just, just give it to Islam. Uh, let's be honest, I think Islam beats uh, Gaethje and um, Charles Oliver if he fights him. I, I'm just ready to see the guy fight for a title. I think he has all the skills to uh, win that belt. And at minus 800, I don't think he's a great bet, but if you want something super safe, I, I, I say why not if you want to put him in your parlays. Uh, moving on to the co-main event, Misha Serkinov. Versus Wellington Terman. I feel like the real commitment is Omar Joel Alvarez, but we'll talk about that one later. Misha, uh, he fought his first fight at middleweight in his last fight against Christoph Jotko. It was a close fight. It really was. But Misha Serkinov was smaller in there. He's a little skinnier. So he did not have that kind of muscle he had back at lightweight to just muscle these guys down to the mat and eventually submit him. So uh, in that fight, he got his takedown stuffed. And on the feet, Chaco had uh, the higher output, the cleaner striking. And Chaco won the split decision in that fight. And Wellington Terman on the other side, he was set to fight Hadolfo Vieira back on the Nganu uh, Gon card. And uh, something happens to Vieira health-wise. The fight does not uh, come to fruition. And before that, he had a win over Sam Alvey. That's not a good win. We've said it a million times on the podcast. It's not a good win. Sam Malvey just didn't fight smart at all in that fight. It was a super clear win for Terman. In fact, he rocks Alvey with a spinning back elbow. But uh, I'll, I'll say one thing. Misha Serkinov is not the most durable guy. But one to Terman does not have this kind of dangerous power that's a concern. And Terman is a black belt himself. He trains out of Teixeira MMA and Fitness. And Clover Teixeira has a first-round TKO over Misha Serkinov, so I'm sure Tashara can give a couple tips to turn, but in the end, it will not be enough. I think we see uh, Misha get a takedown here, and I think we see him snatch up uh, a submission here, whether it be a guillotine or a Ray Nikachuk. I, I think he's slick enough to to beat Wellington Terman here. Uh, I think he's a better grappler, but uh, realistically, if it goes past the first round, it could definitely be a win for Terman. Yeah, I, I gotta agree. I think uh you know Misha Serkinov definitely has the better ground game. Well, not definitely, but I think has the better ground game. Uh I think he'd get it done. I think he could submit William Terman. Um, we've seen William Terman in the past as well. He's he's been knocked out a few times. It, I, 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 I don't really re- I'm not that routine. It's not really reliable. We've seen him get absolutely starched a few times. So uh, who knows Misha Serkinov might knock him out, but I'm just saying uh, that that might not happen. Uh that that's definitely that, that that's like one out of one hundred possibility. That that's probably not going to happen. It's, it's grappler versus like uh, grappler in this one. So uh, I see Mash, Misha Turkinov, uh, Misha Misha uh, really getting this one done. Uh, and I think it's going to be submission. I think it might be even early on. I think uh, he'll catch him while he's dry, and I think he's going to submit him. I, I, I like the arm triangle in this fight. I think uh, it, definitely possibility. Yeah, if you ask me, who's a better gas tank? Definitely Wellington Turner and Misha Turkinov's uh, gas tank is really not great. Um. Before his last fight against Jacko, he had not gotten two decisions since 2011. So there's a high possibility this ends inside the distance. Um, and Sarkinov has submitted better grapplers like a Nikita Krylov. So we'll move wow. on 
to um and the pick obviously is circling out first round submission. We'll move on to G Yeon Kim versus Priscilla Cashewara. This is a very exciting fight for me, just because uh Cashewara has that game changing power in this flyweight division. Uh she has a very awful resume, but if she hits you, it, you're probably gonna be in trouble. She fought Sheena Mazzani as a huge underdog. I picked her there. She gets the second round TKO. Um, she was actually beating Chilean Robertson on the feet. Obviously, she's a better striker, but uh, she got t- taken down, got her back taken, and it was just an awful scene when she was uh, gouging uh, Jalen Robertson's eye. And what's worse, Jalen Robertson only has eye issues, so that was just just an awful scene. I'm surprised the UFC didn't cut her. Joe Rogan was uh, just campaigning for her to get cut after that. Um, but she still sticks around. She has a fight book against Ji Young Kim. I think Ji Young Kim is definitely the cleaner striker, has the quicker hands, and 100% has a better ground game. So realistically, Ji Young Kim should win a decision here. But if she gets cracked like she did against uh, Molly McCann, there's a real possibility we see a Priscilla Cachoeira walking away with a win here. But I'll go with the more realistic pick. I think Ji Young Kim outpoints her. Uh, throughout 15 minutes, probably mixes in a little bit of takedowns and uh, gets a unanimous decision win. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. I'll, I'll go with Junior Kim as well. But this is a difficult one. I feel like it could go either way. You were talking about uh, definitely, uh, uh, Catch could definitely knock her out, and uh, she's got them hands. And uh, we saw Molly McCann touch up, uh, touch up uh, Junior Kim. So it, if Molly McCann could do it and hit her clean, if Pesci Carrera hits her clean. She's going to knock her out, so uh, she needs to stay ready, uh, keep her head moving, and I feel like she's going to do that. I think she's going to win. Uh, I feel like she's going to win the striking battles, be first to the punch, and uh, you know, just kind of you know, stick it, stick it at range uh, where she can't get hit from from the power. Yeah, one one thing uh, that's a big factor here too. Ji Young Kim has a big reach advantage here. Uh, I think if she finally uses it here, I think she can make it make a difference in this fight. We'll move on to what is the real Coleman event in uh, the hardcore fans' heart. Armand Sarukian versus Joel Alvarez. Armand Sarukian, he debuted against Islam Mahachev and had a close fight. That's all I'll say. That's how that's how you know this, this guy's the real deal. Uh, ever since then, he's been dominated, guys, with the wrestling. The fights aren't even competitive. That Matt Favola fight was a mauling. And then he fights Christos Yagos. People think he's just going to grind him out. Get a, another uh, unanimous decision win. He goes out there, knocks him out in the first round. Shows he, he's improving with his striking. He's got power in his hands as well. Um, and now he's finding guy in Joel Alvarez, who also was seen as more of a grappler before. But in his last fight, he fights Thiago Moises, and he knocks him out in the first round. Joel Alvarez was one of my uh, nominees for most improved fighter of 2021 because of how good that striking looked. Before that, he would just let guys take him down and armbar them or guillotine them. And this is a fight where I, if he if he wants to win, he does not. He should not go out to that spot. He should go out there and try to keep it standing. And uh, I think he's got a good shot of knocking out Sarukin here. Sarukin's not super durable. He's actually got knocked out. In about 30 seconds in one fight, I believe it was. Um, besides that, he's been very dominant. But Joel Alvarez really impressed me in his last fight. 
he's got a huge reach advantage and he's very tall. And if he uses that to his advantage, he can go very far in this division. I guess Tiago Moises, he was cutting him up with those elbows, using his knees. Man, I think Joel Alvarez can win this fight if it stays striking. But do I think it stays striking? Absolutely not. I think Armand Sarukian gets those takedowns in every round, avoids uh, getting hit clean. And I think uh, Joel Alvarez is going to try to throw up arm bars on his back, and he's not going to be able to get him. I think Sarukian wins the unanimous decision. Um, and I think he's he's really going to finally get one of these better, uh, one of these higher-ranked guys after this. I think guys just not been a full, they've been avoiding him for too long. I think it's now time to step up the competition. Yeah, but I think Armand gets this one done. And, uh, but, you know, I think Joe Alvarez, as you were talking about, he's a live dog. Uh, you definitely can't, uh, you know, root against or think this is going to be a walkover for Armand uh, because Joe Alvarez, this guy, this guy's a phenomenal fighter. He's got good submission, great game off his back, as you were saying. He's got good striking. It definitely went leaps and bounds from last year. Uh, he, he looked incredible. Uh, but you know, Armand's. I feel like he's just he's just a different breed. He's in like the Islam Makhachev breed, and yes, he lost to Islam Makhachev, but I feel like he's up there. You know, he made it a competitive fight, and the uh, th this is the guy that I definitely see getting in top five with Islam Makhachev. Uh, I think Armand Tuzugan uh, gets this one done, but I think it's going to be a tough one. I think it's going to be a really, really tough round for Armand Tuzugan in that first round. One hundred percent. Yeah, Joel Alvarez also. Uh... He does not have good as good a cardio as Armand. Armand can take Jags down 12 times in a fight. So, yeah, that's another confidence booster for us. And we'll move on to Armin Petrosian's debut against Gregory Rodriguez. I'm super excited for this fight. I, I'm very confident we don't see a, a decision in this fight. Both guys fight to get a finish in every fight. Uh, Gregory Rodriguez had a fight of the night against uh the iron turtle chung young park in his last fight he himself got rocked in that second round i thought chung young park was about to knock him out but chung young park got sloppy got countered and he had his benil dariush moment uh he just got walked across the octagon by gregory and eventually he gets put out and before that gregory fought dushko torovich and dushko was a big favorite out there and Gregory uh, beat him up um, and got the decision. Before that, he gets a knockout on the regional scene. Um, and before that, contender series, he fights Jordan Williams. He's a big favorite. I thought he was going to submit Jordan Williams in the first round. And it did not go that way. Jordan Williams, um, who I believe is more of a welterweight, goes out there and absolutely starches Gregory. Gregory... It's not durable, man. He's really not. Uh, as we saw against Jung Young Park, Jung Young Park's not really considered a heavy hitter. And uh, he goes out there and rocks Gregory. And you're telling me he's fighting one of the best kickboxers in the UFC, Armin Petrosian. Armin has a ton of kickboxing experience. Uh, I know he's only 6-1, and one, but he's shown a lot to me in that stretch on the contender series. He fought a wrestler, not just any wrestler, a tenant. A 10 and 0 wrestler, and he actually gets grinded out there, gets taken down, but he shows the ability to get up and uh, be wise defensively. And then, as soon as there was a little bit of space creative, he lands a wonderful combination, ends it with a light kick, uh, with a head kick, and knocks the guy out. Armin 
throws and combinations all the time. And even if this goes to the decision, he'll win the decision. Uh, but I think he's going to knock out Gregory. Greg Kennedy eat a shot well. And when he's finding a guy in Armin who has only won via KO, that, that's a cause con for concern. Gregory will get a takedown here. He's a black belt in judo and a black belt in PJJ. He could surely snap up a submission. But as soon as it stays striking, I think Armin lands the final blow here. And Armin is the best underdog to pet on this card, if you ask me. Yeah, when Jun uh, when Gregory Rodriguez fought Junior Park in the in his last fight, uh, you were really high on Rodriguez. You were talking about how how he's striking looked better. But he did get rocked, but you you, you were really high on him. And uh, uh, in this one, I just don't see him winning the fight on that feet. Um, as you're talking about Arm Petrus uh, uh, whatever his name is, he's really good on the he's really good on the uh, on the feet. Uh, his kickboxing is, is is incredible. Uh, definitely, we're going to see a showcase of just how good he is. Uh, but Gregory, you know, if he does get a fight to the ground, he could pose some troubles. Uh, but we saw Armin in his last fight, well, in the extended series fight, that he can deal with the wrestling. He's, he's he's got good wrestling defense and he's got a good get up game. He got up and then he knocks his opponent out. So uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets taken down and then he knocks out Gregory Rodriguez. And as you mentioned, Gregory Rodriguez, uh, he's been knocked out before. Um, it's always. A fighter, he, you're his opponent out, or he gets knocked out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. But I think Gregory Rodriguez is just uh, out of his depth in depth in this one. I feel like he's a good fighter, but I think Armin is just too good on the feet. Yeah, Armin himself has actually already gotten knocked out in the first round. It was actually June of last year. That's very recent. But uh, I'll be honest that uh, Armin also has a big power advantage here. So Armin, don't. Don't count out him getting knocked out himself, but when I see him as an underdog and I look back at the Gregory loss to Jordan Levitt, who is not as clean of a strike as Armin, Williams. I think Armin, yeah, I think um, Armin gets that uh, KO here in the first round. We'll move on to the prelims now. Rongshu versus Ignacio Bahamundes. This is a, a big prospect battle here. Rongshu was a huge favorite coming out of China out of the Chinese uh, Performance Institute, and he fought Kazula Vargas. Kazula Vargas won that fight handily. He did get rocked in the third round, but he was not enough for Rongshu. Uh, then in his second UFC fight, he gets a win over Brandon Jenkins, and it was competitive on the feet. Um, so Rongshu takes to the ground, and he does quite well there, and eventually he gets the TKO over Brandon in the third round. Um, and he's finding a guy named Ignacio Bahamandes, who is very hittable, has a lot of scar tissue. He's been he's been in combat sports for a very long time. He's the guy that Bilal Muhammad trains with the most. They're good friends. And Bilal Muhammad actually calls him the best striker in the UFC. Do I buy it for one bit? No. But you look at the guy's skill set, the guy can, can give you a lot of looks when it comes to kickboxing. He can fight in both stances very comfortably. He uses his reach very well. He's got good takedown defense. As I said, training with Bilal. Bilal's one of the best wrestlers at welterweight. And it's obvious to me that uh, Ignacio's wrestling has gotten better because he fought Roosevelt Roberts, who's a, who's a solid wrestler. He stuffs 12 of those takedowns, and he destroys them on the feet, eventually gets the uh, spinning wheel kick in the third round. I was so impressed with Ignacio in that fight. Before that, he fought, uh, who was it? Uh, John Modesti. 
Yeah, Mac Desi. That was a complete war. He uh he gets tagged in the first round and he doesn't fight the same after that. That's a possibility. Rongshu rocking him. But uh at the end of the day, Bahamadis has super high output. He's very offensively minded. That's gonna be the difference maker here. I think he he clearly outpoints uh Rongju to unanimous decision win here. Rongju is very durable, so I don't think he gets a knockout, but I think he he really pieces up Rongju here. Uh, I feel like we caught the same picks. Uh, but yeah, I'm going with Bahamondes in this one. As you talked about, against Rose Rewards in his last fight. Uh, I mean, I feel like everyone's seen that. The, you know, the, the spinning wheel kick uh, at the last minute, the buzzer beater. Uh, he's always going forward. He didn't have to throw that wheel kick because he was winning yeah. the fight. He was he was going to win the fight. He was on the way to victory. But he threw it. He's always looking to get the knockout in this one. And uh, well, in, in any of his fights, he's always looking to get the knockout. He's always throwing big actions. Uh, is that same we're going to see in this one? He's going to throw big actions. He's going to try and get the knockout, but I, I don't see him getting it. And uh, I think it's going to be a decision win. But Bajo Mondes, uh, I'm excited to see him back to see what he do after what after what he done in his last fight. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think Bajo Mondes gets to gets it done. Yeah, we'll move on to Josie and Nunes' second UFC fight against a debutante. Uh, what's it? Ramona Pasquale. Ramona is the main training partner. <clears throat> for Ji Young Kim and Joanne Wood. She trains out of Sin AK MMA. Uh, and I'll be honest, she's fought awful competition. Let's pull up the records of uh, of her competition just to give you a perspective on the caliber of fighter that she is at. 2-0. Oh, and oh, and oh. oh, no. 4-5. Oh, no. 2-2. Oh, no. 2-0. Oh, no. 0-2. She's not experienced at all. Uh, the best thing you can say about, as I said, is her training partners. And I'm sure that they beat her up in uh, training. She's still a developing fighter. I don't believe she's UFC caliber. Um, and she's fighting Josie Nunes, who also, I'll be honest, did not fight good competition. But one thing that is undeniable is Josie Nunes is like a truck. Josie Nunes fought Bea Malecki in the last fight. Bea was undefeated and... Bea gets knocked out really bad. Like, this is a terrible knockout. Just to give you a little perspective, Bay Malecki is still dealing with uh, noise sensitivity from that knockout. That, that's the kind of concussion Josie Nunes can give you. She's very scary with that power. This is actually um, at women's featherweight, um, just because of the short notice aspect for uh, for Rala Pasquale. I think Pasquale is going to get knocked out here. I think Pasquale probably can get some takedowns here, but there's no major pedigree for Pas for Pasquale. She uh she fights out of Hong Kong. Um I really don't think she's got the caliber of wrestling to give or grappling uh for that fact to give Josiane huge problems. Yeah, I think Josiane can find a way to defeat eventually or just reach the second round and knock out Ramona. I don't think Ramona's ever been hit this hard. She's actually been together to be a ground pound before. I think Josiane is going to um, give her a very tough night uh, in finding knockout in round two. Yeah, I, I've got to agree with you on this one as well. Uh, I feel like we, we've got the same picks, and uh, for, you'll go for round two, I'll go for round one. I think Nunes is going to hit her hard, and uh, she's not going to like that. Uh, round one, I see her getting, getting the knockout, and uh, uh, as you talked about, Nunes hits that truck, and you saw it in her last fight against uh, Bay uh, Maleki. And uh, Maleki... I thought it was out of her depth, a depth in that fight, and I, I, I do think like this is the same sort of situation. Uh, Nunez is uh, 
she just hits like an animal. She she reminds me of Jessica and Drudge. Uh, she, she hits like an absolute truck, and uh, uh, Pasquale is going to feel it. And uh, she's going to get knocked out in round one. She's either going to get knocked out or she's going to get TKO'd. She's going to get ground and pounded. So uh, I, that's the only way I see it going. I don't see Pascal p- causing a threat with the grappling or on the striking. I got to agree with you. We'll move on to wow. what should definitely be ranked higher on the card. This is a very exciting yeah. fight on paper. Terrence McKinney versus Faresian. This fight was set to be uh, going down at a card like I believe it was in November. We've been waiting a very long time for this fight. It got delayed, and I've been waiting for it uh, patiently ever since then. And yeah, November, finally yeah. getting it. Terrence McKinney is an all-action fighter. This guy is kind of a knockout or bust kind of guy. This guy is an animal out there. In his first UFC fight, he gets the quickest knockout of a debut fighter ever. It was in six or seven seconds against, uh, who was it? Um, Matt Favola. Matt Favola, yeah. Matt Favola, who is fairly durable uh, previous to that. And just, goodness gracious, just puts him out with a clean one too. Um, and before that, he got three wins on the regional circuit, and they were a minute 24 combined. This guy has life-changing power. This guy can go very far in this division simply with the power, but he's also got a wrestling background. He was actually trained by Michael Chiesa back in high school for wrestling. Uh, he's out of Spokane, Washington. Um, the grappling is not that bad on him. On um. It's not that bad on this side either. But as I said, when you go for those first round knockouts, you're going to burn yourself out if you don't get it. And that's what I expect against Faresiem. Faresiem is a durable guy in his last fight. Sure, he did get cracked big time by Luigi Benjamin. I thought Luigi was about to finish that fight. But Fares somehow stayed in that fight and um, eventually got that decision. Uh, honestly, you could score that a draw very easily. That It was probably 10-8 in that third round. But before that, Fresian was dominating that fight against uh, Luigi. Before that, um, he fought, who was it, um, Jamie Malarkey. Jamie Malarkey, uh, he gave him a tough fight. He mixed in the takedowns. I think Terrence McKinney can do just that here. But I think he'll eventually tire out. And I feel like Fres can survive the power but uh if he eats too many he will go down obviously but i feel like for SCM probably gets a decision here but he's got to watch out for that first round yeah i've got to agree with you uh yeah, terrence mckinney in that first round you know he hits that truck as you were talking about and uh we saw it in his last fight against as as, as, you, as you mentioned against matt frivola uh all it takes is one shot uh the second quickest knockout i want i want to say so uh, you know the the guy possesses power, and um, if you look at his twenty twenty one, I believe he, he maybe fought or yeah, his twenty twenty he fought five times, all five of them were knockouts. So it, it just proves to you that this guy has got power on his hands, and he talks about it. he's got a wrestling background as well. Uh, but the only problem is, like, um, France the army, you know, he, he's durable. Uh, he, he he could take shots as you were talking about, and uh, when Terence McKenney doesn't get a knockout in round one what happens and uh we've seen it in the past he, he has been um i believe as i saw he has been submitted uh terence mckinney got submitted uh, against um derek minner and then yeah, he also lost true. against um sean woodson Jordan. on the contenders flying knee yeah. and when was that it was in the second round 
after Terrence McKinney had given him a tough first round. So that just shows you that uh, Terrence McKinney is very lethal early in the fight. But after that, not so much. I think it's going to be uh, shown here again. Terrence McKinney, also a very young guy. Not a lot of experience. Still has a lot to improve on. And I think Frasiam is definitely the cleaner striker here. Does not hit as hard, but he does have that kickboxing background. And he's one of those guys that uh, that has good footwork, that does know how to use the range. I think it's going to definitely uh, definitely be on the Frasiam side here at the end of the day via unanimous decision. It could be a draw, though. I'm not ruling that out because he got 10 basically against uh, Luigi. So we'll move on to Jin Frey versus Hannah Goldie. This fight is, uh, I think, a bit of a mismatch, quite honestly. Jin Frey is, is a tough veteran. She did have a couple uh, of tough matches early in the UFC run. She fought uh, the very dangerous uh, Kay, uh, Kay Hansen. She got submitted there. And then she fought Loma Lugbumi. I don't know what she was thinking there. Just standing with Loma most of the fight. Uh, only using the wrestling late in the fight. And uh, she got outpointed there, obviously. And after that, she fights Gloria DePaul. We just talked about Gloria on this uh, card. And she gets the takedowns and wins very handily. And then she fights Yoder. And she wins very obviously there. Um, she loses the second round, I believe. But, yeah, she rocked to Yoder bad in that fight. So, Jinyu Frey is a fighter that's improving. Her confidence is increasing. Um, and she trains out of Force MMA. Hannah Goldie on the other side, fought on the contender series, and then she fought uh, Miranda Granger. And the problem with Goldie in a lot of these fights, she's very short, and she's um, and she also has a short reach, so it's hard for her to close the distance on her opponents. And she doesn't have this elite uh, striking, I would say, that gives her opponents problems. Um, and on the grappling side, she is improving. She's good friends with Jillian Robertson. And she showed that when she fought, uh, who's the name? Um, Emily, I believe. Emily Whitmire. Yeah. She gets first round submission. That was super impressive. But let's be honest, uh, Whitmire has a losing record. So with Goldie, you, you, I really don't know exactly where she's at in terms of overall skill level. And uh, against Deanna Belpisa, she gets absolutely destroyed in that fight. Nearly gets finished. Uh, one thing I do know about Goldie, she's tough here. So. I think Jinyu Frey will not get a finisher. I think she wins the decision. But at the end of the day, the striking is kind of even. But on the ground, Jinyu Frey, uh, short of an armbar, should win this fight pretty dominantly by unanimous decision with, with wrestling. I really believe she's just using it with wrestling. Goldie's submission skills are not something that should intimidate Frey. Yeah, I've got to agree. I think Frey gets it done, and Junior Frey gets it done. Uh, the only problem I had with this is that Junior Frey, uh, she, 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 at, at, you know, at heart, she's an atom weight, so she's a small girl uh, for straw weight. So if there was an atom weight division, she she would definitely be definitely in that division, and uh, she would definitely be up there. But the, the good thing is Hannah Goldie, she's she's not the biggest either, so it, you know, it, it kind of works yeah. out in her favor. So she, she's got a fable matchup, and I, I've got to like the submission uh, for Junior Frey. She can definitely get it done, and. Uh, uh, as you talked about, this matchup probably doesn't really make sense. Uh, uh, Hannah Goldie getting the win against Emily Whitmire, and now she's fighting Junior Frey, who's uh, definitely a better opponent. And uh, 
the possibility that she gets submitted in this one. And uh, I like I like it early. I think submission early is a uh, is is what I'm going for. Not a bad pick. Uh, also, one thing to point out: Jenny Frey has twice the experience as Hannah Goldie. That's that's uh, also a big uh, factor there. She's also been more active while Goldie was on the shelf there with injuries. So we'll move on to the next fight. This is another fight I think should be definitely higher in the card. Alejandro Perez versus Jonathan Martinez. This is going to be an exciting fight as long as it lasts. But Alejandro Perez is getting a little older, and Jonathan Martinez is getting a little better. It's kind of that simple. Uh, Perez, in his last fight, he fought a guy who was 43 on a huge skid, does not have a good chin, and he was getting off volume in that fight so much so that he get uh, has to take the guy down and eventually find an arm bar. Um, and his opponent had been submitted several times throughout his career, so I, I was confident Perez could do it. But it was not a good performance uh, when it came to striking by Perez. He's got a lot of good wins on his uh, resume, but I feel like that long layoff uh, was not a good look here. And now he's fighting guy John Jonathan Martinez, who is quicker, has a be- quicker and larger than his last opponent, and a better striker. I think this is a bad fight for a Perez on the feet. I think uh, Jonathan Martinez will stuff every takedown attempt by Perez. If you think Perez is a better wrestler than Zavier Labashvili, the undefeated Georgian, uh, I-, I think you're kind of crazy there. I think Martinez stuffs those takedowns and absolutely uh, tools up Perez on the feet uh, throughout 15 minutes. Gets himself in the unanimous decision. He could find himself the knockout, too, in this fight. Uh, uh, Perez actually did get finished by Song Yudong. But at the end of the day, I think uh, Martinez puts on a show here and gets the win. Uh, yeah, I, I've got to agree with you. I think uh, Martinez is the, the better fight, the better striker. Uh, that's where he's going to get his work done. Uh, as you were talking about, you know, you got um, uh, got knocked out by um, Song Yudong with that vicious overhand right and uh the, the power uh, he doesn't hold up to well against power and uh does John Martinez possess that power uh, probably not I don't, I don't think so but does he have the volume uh you know the pace yes I feel like he can uh mix up really well on the uh, on the feet but Jonathan Martinez doesn't really take a punch well we saw it against Davey Grant as well but I, I don't see Alejandro Perez uh possessing the power threat so this, yeah. this is a good matchup um tight on the feet uh, I, I, but I see Jonathan Martinez just uh, uh, edging it just a little bit closer. One hundred percent. We'll move on to Ramiz Brahimash versus oh, Michael man. Gilmore. This is going to be domination on the Brahimash side. Brahimash is a minus three third three fifty favorite. I completely agree with it. Michael Gilmore is only in the UFC by chance. He was on the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I forgot who it was exactly. One of the guys got injured on the Ultimate Fighter. In oh, Gil- um, but it might be Petrowski, maybe. Oh no, 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 no. 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 Uh, but speaking of Petrowski, Petrowski finished Michael Gilmore in his only UFC yeah. fight in the third round via submission. Petrowski does not have good gas tank, but Gilmore has an even worse gas tank. So uh, that's why Petrowski was able to find the finish there. Uh, I will say in that second round, Gilmore looked good. He was beating up that uh, Petrowski lead leg with the leg kicks and uh, clearly winning that fight. 
he did stuff with a couple of those takedowns. But in the first round, it was straight up dominance on the Petrovsky side. Uh, Gilmore on the show, he got submitted by Gilbert Urbina. Gilbert Urbina, he's not even the, he's not the best grappler. Uh, definitely not a better grappler than Ramiz Rahimash. Ramiz is a welterweight though. This is Gilmore's uh his return to welterweight, and in this fight, I see him getting taken down like he has in his previous fights, and he he'll get submitted quite easily. Honestly, I think uh it might take Rahimash a little bit of time. Uh, I don't know if he wants to be uh. A little two submission over position here, but the submission defense we've seen from Gilmore is not good. Brahimash has a black belt. He looked really awful against Court McGee, but here I think he gets an easy submission here. Uh, Gilmore, honestly, on the feet, Gilmore might be a little better, but not by a big stretch here. I think Brahimash gets that second round submission without much trouble. Honestly, I don't know what the point of booking this fight is. Just to give Brahimash a win, I think. I think this is going to be a very easy fight for Brahimash, honestly. Yeah, de- definitely. I've got, I've got to agree. Uh, uh, when Brahimash uses wrestling, uh, he, you know, he's a different sort of uh, d- different sort of animal. We saw it against in, in the Sasha. Um, what's his, what's his second name? There Let we go. Uh, where, where he took him down, submitted him. Uh, he he looked good there. When he uses wrestling, he's a different sort of animal. But when when he can't get his wrestling going, he's a bit clueless on the feet. But does Michael Gilmore have, you know, the 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 capability of knocking him out? I, I don't I don't think so. I think it's going to be a battle of uh, Raiz Brahim and just get him down, and uh, he's going to get him down at one point, and he's going to submit him the first opportunity he gets. Gilmore is also one of these guys that fought abysmal competition on the regional scene. And I think uh, he's not ready for a guy like Brahimash. Uh, before the Ultimate Fighter, he fought a one and one fighter, a two and two fighter, a two and three fighter, a three and two fighter, an O one fighter, a two and O fighter, and an O one O and O fighter. Like this, this guy is not proven at all. That's why he's got the six and four record, and that's fighting guys that aren't not good at all. Brahimash is good on the ground. BJJ black belt. I think he gets a, a submission here. It's an excellent bet. It's an excellent bet. It really is. And I will be betting it. It'll be part of Silva's lips. We'll move on to the opening fight on the card. Victor Altramirano versus Carlos, Carlos Hernandez. As you can see, both guys are from the contender series. And I have no idea why they would be booked against each other. The whole point of the contender series is to get your shot at the UFC to fight, um, you know, UFC fighters. These guys are both in the contender series, so they're it's like basically a contender series fight here. Uh, so I really don't understand the matchmaking, but I do appreciate the style matchup here. I think it's going to be a fun fight. Both guys are primarily strikers. Uh, it looks like uh, Victor Altramirano has a huge, uh, ha- has a sizable experience advantage three more fights, but. Carlos Hernandez is actually the most experienced fighter. The guy has, I believe he was 15 and one as an amateur. The guy played the smart game and he stayed an amateur a long time and he really sharpened his tools. And I think it's going to show here. Uh, Victor Altamirano has really good kickboxing, uh, very high volume. Both guys actually won their contender series fights via split decision. Uh, Altamirano, in my opinion, he did not win his fight 
So much so that if you remember, Dana White broke his rules. He actually gave the loser of the fight a contract. It was that one fight where both guys got a contract because Candelario had already been on the contender series. And uh, I believe he won and he came back and he lost a tough split decision. So they just gave the guy the contract anyway. That shows you that Ultimate Reynolds not exactly on the UFC level quite yet. And Hernandez, on the other hand, I think he is. Uh, I, I actually thought he did win his fight, even though it was, it was a split decision. And he's another guy, good kickboxing, but uh, he likes to use his boxing a little more. He's got a really good jab, and he's not afraid of mixing those takedowns. And that's going to be a big factor in this fight. I think he gets the takedowns here. I think we'll see a close fight, but at the end of the day, I like Carlos Hernandez having more experience in this fight. And I think he wins the 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 decision here. Probably going to be a split decision, though. But I think it'll be an entertaining fight. Nonetheless, it's probably going to play out mostly on the feet. Uh, with with Honestly, I don't think either guy has an advantage on the feet. So with Hernandez mixing the takedowns, I think that'll that'll make things uh, easier for him to get the win. Yeah, I've got to agree with you in this one. If you if you look on the the record of both men, Hernandez loves the loves the wrestle and he loves the rare naked choke. And as you talked about uh, with um, oh, Almatiriano, Almatiriano, there we go. Altamirano. There we go. There we go. Like you like you likes to get kickbox and uh, uh, this this is a good match. I think this is a good way to open the card. Two prospects, um, ten and one versus seven and one. I feel like we're gonna they're gonna produce a banger. Uh, so this is a great way to open the card, and I feel like it's gonna be maybe a finish. I think I'm, I'm going with Rene Kicho. I'm going Hernandez. Well, that that would be really spectacular to see. The other reason I'm not thinking he gets a submission is because those submissions finishes were over low level guys. I don't think Vic Altamirano is a low level guy. He was actually the LFA flyweight champion before he signed on a contender. That shows you. Uh, comes from a prestigious organization, one of the main feeders to the UFC. Um, and both guys. Do are you know why there. I picked? Uh, do you know why I picked Red Naked uh, ch- uh, Choke? Why? Because uh, Alamitiano, who's lost four times, that was including um, uh, his amateur career, and all of them by RNC. Uh, I don't really put a lot of stock to the amateur uh, the amateur fight, but yeah, that that. That's a possibility there, but I feel like a Murano, uh, Alter Murano has made the improvements uh, personally. But, uh, yeah, my pick here will be Carlos Hernandez to be a split decision. Uh, and that wraps it up for UFC Vegas 49 wow. predictions. We could not come up with a told-you-self fight. Uh, I feel like some of these picks are pretty straightforward. The only underdog I picked on the card was Petrosian. So now we'll move on. To Silva's slips, uh, you said four picks. It's a four-pick parlay. You said right. Yeah, a, a four, a four-pick uh, parlay. So shoot it away. I'll, I'll, I'll write it down. All right, I'll go with Islam Mahashev. Just pick him straight out. Uh, pick Brahimaj by submission, and I say pick Ignacio Bahamanes, and I'll say go with the inside the distance. For Petrosian versus Rodriguez, uh, those are my four picks. Okay, I've got them written down, and we'll check back with them next week to see how you done. So, uh, how confident are you with them picks? I would not put them in there if I was not confident in them. Uh, my most confident pick on the whole card is that Rodriguez Petrosian going the distance. Both guys are not super durable, and uh, I think when it comes to submissions, 
we've got a huge edge on Rodriguez side. So I, I can't wait for that fight, honestly. Um, but yeah, that wraps it up for the episode. Anything else to leave the people with, Lenny? Yes, we do. We have Bellator. Oh, we oh completely forgot. I completely forgot. Bellator will be headlined by the middleweight champion Gegard Musasi versus Mr. Van Zant, Austin Vanderford. This is gonna be a panger, man. Gegard Musasi might be one of the most underrated MMA fighters in the history of the sport. You look at a 48 and 7 record. That's highly uncommon when you're fighting the cream of the crop guys for about 15 years. Gegard Musasi has been firing on all cylinders for a very long time. He's found himself uh, as the king of the Bellator middleweight division. He fought in his last fight. John Salter gets a, a decisive win there. And before that, he fights the welterweight champion, Douglas Lima. And he handily wins the fight with uh, with the takedowns in particular here. And that's what Vandevoort is going to be looking to do. Vandevoort is the, the more muscular guy here. And he's going to try to take him down. Maybe trying to ha- land an overhand right, as wrestlers tend to do. I think he can crack Musasi here. Musasi has had closer fights. But at the end of the day, I think Musasi has good takedown defense. And on the feet, he's definitely the cleaner and more experienced striker than Vanderford. So I think Kildy is a veteran savvy. Get that unanimous decision win here. But he might drop around or two with the wrestling of by Vanderford. But also, don't sleep on Musasi's submissions off of his back. Dude. The guy is such a well-rounded fighter. I feel like he's not respected enough. I think he will win this by decision, assuming he doesn't get uh, cracked and uh, finally start to show his age. Uh, yeah, I've got to agree with you. I think Gegard Musasi gets this one done. As you talked about, he's well-rounded. Uh, Austin Vanderford, you know, he, he, he's got that heart. Um, if you look at his last fight, he got cut up wide open uh, on the middle of his head against Fabian Edwards. Um, it, it, I think that was ground and pound. I think, oh no, was, he, Fabian Edwards was on his back and he landed like an upward elbow. Um, so Gegard Musasi could land some shots off his back, but, you know, Austin Vanderford is a fantastic wrestler. Um, he's been on the show. I've talked to him. Uh, he's he's a he's a likable guy, so uh, I, I see him, you know, posing a threat to Gegard Musasi. Uh, but I see Gegard Musasi being just a little bit too much, too too much experience, and Hannon Austin Vanderford his first loss of his career. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. Uh, I feel like Vanderford uh, will finally be humbled, and I think it creates an opportunity for Musasi to maybe move up to light heavyweight. And in the co-main event, we have Sinhead Kavanaugh versus Liam McCourt. Liam McCourt is in my opinion, the much more um, experienced fighter, the much more cleaner uh, cleaner fighter all around in terms of technique. Uh, does Sinhek Kavanaugh have more fights? Yeah, but Vele McCourt has fought better competition. Uh, Kavanaugh had the unfortunate experience of fighting Cyborg in their last fight, got knocked out brutally. But uh, Liam McCourt is not that hard of a hitter compared to Cyborg. I think she outpoints her throughout 15 minutes here. Uh, I don't think Sinhead has uh, a quality that will give uh, Leah much of a much of a tough time here. Honestly, I think we have might have our first Toja serve of the week. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go with Sinead Kavanaugh. I think Sinead gets it done. Uh, just as you talked about, they're fighting the better competition. I, I feel like Kavanaugh's been up there, been up with the best in the in the featherweight division. She's fought, you know, the tougher competition. If you look at Leah McCourt. 
who she's for in a recent, and I could probably only name you two got two women. It's a uh, you know you know. Are we good? Um, uh, are we Shall I refresh? back? I believe so. But yeah, as I talk about Liam McCourt, if you look at a record, uh, yeah, I can probably... Are we back? I believe we are back. I believe so, yeah. A name I think you're overlooking on the Liam McCourt record is the great Manon Furrell back when she was uh, a debuting fighter. And uh, Manon Furrell, don't forget she had a lot of karate and kickboxing experience before that. That's why, uh, that's why I said that. Not not because uh, I don't uh, respect the fighters that Sin had fought. Okay, uh, we are back, but without Oscar. Uh, I I'm not too sure what's happening, uh, but, you know, we can, we can never have a show that goes smoothly. Uh, I'll bring Oscar back in. But as I was talking, um, Liam McCourt, I could probably only name two women that she has probably fought in her career. Um, a strong statement, but, you know, Sinead Kavanaugh has been up there with the best. And, uh, I feel like... Uh, she, she can get this one done. Uh, I don't think she knocks out Liam McCourt, but I think it's going to be a decision. Okay. It looks like we're having a bad time here, Oscar. I feel like we've got to let this one go. Yeah, I, be I believe so. Um, is there anything you want to leave the people with before we uh, we go? Uh, not, not really. Uh, make sure you tune in next week where we get a talk about uh, what happened this weekend and I believe UFC 272. Uh, it appears the connection is a little better now. I just wanted to touch upon Zabid's cousin or brother, I believe. Yeah, his brother. I think his brother has a super bright future. I think he finds himself uh, a first round TKO there against his opponent Sanchez. I, I really, I think this is the fight for uh, Magomed Sharipa to finally get his uh, feet under him in this uh, division. Here, will this be an easy fight? No, but I think at the end of the day. I think he finds the finish via submission or via TKO there. I think he's a well-rounded guy. Has a very similar style to his uh to his relative there. I think he finds the finish. Yeah, but a better tour 275 goes down this weekend. Uh, it's, it's a good card. Uh I'm picking Sinead Kavanaugh, Gago Musassi. Uh and I'm also gonna uh, we also got Brett Johns on the card as well, former UFC uh fighter yeah. uh over on uh Bellator now. Uh a good card. Uh, I'm bummed uh, that um, Peter Quilly couldn't make it to the fight because Peter Quilly in Ireland is yeah. always uh, is always good to watch. Uh, uh, hopefully, Kane Musa gets his uh, gets gets an opponent that would be good. But I think it might be a little bit too little too late now, so uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, a good a good weekend of fights coming up. Uh, we've got Islam Akshay versus uh, uh, Bobby Green, a fantastic fight that we have this weekend. Yeah. And then we've got UFC, uh, and then we've got Bellator 275. So make sure you tune in next week when we get a talk about it all, and then we get a, a talk about. Uh, USC D72, I believe. Yeah. Covington versus Masvidal. The fight we've been waiting for for seemingly two, three years now. It's finally going to happen. And we'll talk about all that next week.
Better than and, and don't forget about that co-main event. Woo! Rafael Fiziev versus RDA. Phenomenal. It was supposed to be our main event last week, and yeah. we're going to get a two-for-one deal on that card. I cannot wait for it. In the meantime, make sure to enjoy this weekend's fights. 100%. Uh, make sure you tune in next week, uh, Tuesday, usually around uh, 2, 3, Chicago Standard Time. I don't know what you call it over there, but yeah. yeah um, Central Time, yeah. Central Time. Central time yeah, two, 2, 3, set, uh, Central Time over in the uh, over in America and uh, usually 6 p.m. over here in, uh, in England. So make sure you tune in next week. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you all. They're all probably sick of us. So make sure you tune in next week where we get to talk about uh, what happened this weekend and then we get to talk about that all-important UTT 72 I can't wait to see you next week. Thanks for us to join you, and uh, we'll see you later. Goodbye.